Tonight I'm going to be talking to you out of Genesis chapter 22. Before you sit down tonight, I want you to read these first three verses with me. And then we'll pray. Let's read these together. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him God we thank you for your word we thank you for the authority of your word in our lives we thank you for the truth of your word we thank you for the steadfast, constant, loving, amazing truth of your word. And tonight, God, we ask that you would open up this word and make it come alive in our hearts. In a brand new way, let us see ourselves in this story and how you come to save how you are faithful, how you deliver, and how you keep your promises to a thousand generations. We love you, God, and we thank you for being here tonight with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. This, uh, well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Tiffany, and I am one of the pastors here on staff tonight, and I get to um, just have a little conversation with you tonight out of the Word of God, so I'm super excited um, to see you, so thank you for being here at 715, uh, our midweek service. I want to um, share with you out of this passage that we just read, we're going to go all the way through verse 14, but these first three verses I wanted us to read together, we see that um, God is showing up to Abraham and he's telling him to do something that's very wild and crazy. And uh, if he told me to do that today, I would probably be committed somewhere because they'd be like, yeah, God didn't say that to you. And this story is so amazing how Abraham responds that I want us to circle it and I want us to come be able to come back to it. Um, if you're taking notes tonight, this message is entitled, Here I Am, The Faith Walk. This passage begins with this, these three words, after these things. And so before we get into the depth of this passage, I want to quickly lay out what these things are. In Genesis 12, at the age of 75, God calls Abram, and right out the gate, he begins to, to give him a series of promises. He says, I want you to leave your father, I want you to leave your land, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. 
And he says in Genesis 12 too, I will make a great nation of you and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. And in 12, three, he says, I'll bless those who bless you and dishonor those who curse you. And all of the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. And in 12, seven, he says, uh, I'm going to give you and your offspring, this land of Canaan. And in, in chapter 13, verse 14, he says, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, your offspring will be counted. And then in chapter 14, Abram's like, Hey, so what about this offspring? Who's going to be my heir? And God says, your very own son will be your heir. In 14.5, he says, look toward the heaven and the number of the star, and number the stars. If you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And in chapter 15, verse eight, then, then Abram is like, what about this land you promised me? And how will I know that I shall possess it? And God establishes is a covenant with Abram. And he says in 15, nine, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham bring Abram, who later his name is changed to Abraham, lest you be confused. But right now his name is Abram. He brings them and he cuts these animals open. Now, what we know about this, uh, the covenantal, the way that People entered into covenants in the Old Testament was through the blood of an animal. You would bring this animal, you would cut them open, one half would go this way, the other half would go this way, and the two parties who were entering into this covenant would walk through the middle of those animals, and then they would, it'd be a covenant. Here, on, here in this day and age, a contract is signed in ink, but when it comes to the ways of God and the word of God, a covenant is signed with blood. And so Abram brings all of that and he says, here you go, God. And then all of a sudden he falls asleep and God himself, while Abraham is asleep, walks through the middle of those animals and cuts a covenant in blood with Abraham, with Abram. God makes this covenant concerning his offspring and the land that he will give him. And in 17, four, in, in chapter 17, verse four, God says, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And then God changes Abram's name to Abraham. In 17.6, he says, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into kings and nations will come from you. In 17.7, he says, I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. And God changes Sarai's name to Sarah. That's his wife. In 17, 16, he says, I will bless her and give you a son by her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham laughed. A child born to a woman who was 100 years old. In chapter 17, verse 19, Sarah will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him and as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. In chapter 18, verse 10, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah laughed. And God's like, why are you laughing? What's funny? 
And Sarah's like, oh, I didn't laugh. And God's like, but you did though. In 21.1, the Lord visited Sarah just as he had said. Sarah bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time which God had spoken. And then 25 years go by. Abraham and Sarah have their promise, Isaac. After all of this time, God gave them a miracle. A miracle baby. This woman was 100 years old, and God gave her a baby. It's a miracle. The promise is here. God delivers on his promise. Isaac is the promise. And now, in Genesis chapter 22, God is asking for it back. Let's continue reading Genesis 22. Verse four, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar, the place where he was going to sacrifice his son. And then Abraham, verse five, said to his young men, you stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac, now, Abraham remember, Abraham, remember, was over 100 years old at this time, and his Isaac was a young, strong boy, and so he's laying the wood on his son and saying, hey, you're going to carry this for the journey where we're going. And so then he takes in his hand the fire and the knife. He says, you carry the wood, I'll carry the fire and the knife, and they both went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father... He said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Verse 9, and when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abram reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Here I am. I'm just walking by faith. Here I am. This is my faith walk. Given all that has happened leading up to this point, Abraham's faith is informed by who God has been to him. I gave you all of that context to show you that God spends a lot of time talking to him about his offspring. 
He spends a lot of time telling him what he's going to do, giving him his promise. God makes a covenant in blood with Abraham. God's not a man that he could lie. He has to keep the end of his bargain when he enters into a covenant. And I believe Abraham knows this. So even when God tells Abraham to sacrifice the very promise that he gave him, he's still willing to go do it because he has faith in the promise maker more than in the promise itself. I'm going to say that again. Abraham knows the promise maker. And so he's trusting in the promise maker, not the promise. God is asking him to give back the very promise that he gave him. And by faith, Abraham says, here I am. And if we're honest, sometimes we put more faith in the promise. We sing about the promise. We talk about the promise. But there's more faith in that than the God who gave it to us. We say all of God's promises are yes and amen. And we seek his hands for what he can do for us rather than his face to find out who he is to us. You see, idolatry is a funny thing when you hold on to something tighter than you hold on to God or when you esteem something greater than what you esteem God, even if it's the very promise that God gave you, the promise can become idolatry. The promise can become your idol. God told me I was going to get married by the time I was 30. And so I'm standing on his promise and then you turn 40 and what now? God told me I was going to have a baby by the time I was 35 and they say my eggs are dying and I'm 42 and I don't see a baby. And we get mad at God and we start to accuse the promise maker because the thing he has said to us hasn't come in the time that we want it to come in. And I ask myself, how is it that I have a longer history with God than Abraham did. I have a whole Bible to read about the promises and the faithfulness of God. And yet I still have a problem believing and obeying him. Our faith can't be in the promise more than in the character of the promise maker. We like that promise. But I want to encourage you to find out who that promise maker is. Know him enough to trust that his will for you is better than your will for yourself. We, tell, we sing these songs about healing and deliverance and the promise. And we want that healing. And I believe God wants to give it to you. But do you want the healer more? We want that deliverance. And I believe God wants to deliver us. But do we want the deliverer more? Is our hope in God's character or is, or is it in what we want him to give us? We humans want what we want, when we want, how we want it. And that thing called self-will is detrimental to the plan of God. We don't like what God has told us or how he told us it's going to happen. And so we tend to make, take matters into our own hands and we marry them anyway. And we take the job anyway. And we buy that car anyway. And we fornicate anyway. We withhold the tithe anyway. We cheat on our taxes anyway. We tell that little lie anyway. We do what we want to do anyway. 
because it's not working the way that I think it should work. And so therefore I'm going to give you a little bit of help. God, I think you need some help. In some ways we think God is our genie in a bottle, baby. As if he images us, not the other way around as if We are his master, not the other way around. We come to God with a list of wishes rather than a heart of gratitude with an expectation that you're going to do this for me rather than what he wants from us. We see Abraham choosing to let go of the promise and his self will in order to obey God, the promise maker. As the passage continues, we see Abraham, he gets up really early. The very next day after God told him to do this thing, he gets up early the next morning. I used to tell my kids when we were growing up, obedience is better than sacrifice and delayed obedience is disobedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice and delayed obedience is disobedience. We see Abraham getting right to it. He saddles his donkey He sets out on this journey and he tells the young men this interesting thing. He says, okay, now we're here. Now we're here to the place. I want you two, you young men to stay with this donkey and me and my son, we're going to go over here and we're going to worship. And then we're going to return to you. Me and my son together, we're going to go over here and we're going to worship (laughs) in the middle of the most horrifying thing that God has ever asked Abraham to do. I'm very struck by the fact that Abraham chooses to worship. He has the faith to worship even when it hurts. Worship here in this original language means to be obedient or to bow down to. Worship requires dying to my flesh, dying to my will, dying to my wants, dying to my way, bowing my heart to God's will, putting his will above my own. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Abram also says that he would come again or return after he and the boy went to worship. And I want to, I want to just like stop here for a minute and circle this because in this original language, this word means, um, this word return or come back. It means to come back as from dying. The word return, it's the same word that's used in Isaiah 55, 11 that says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, Abraham is saying, we're going to go and bow down to the will of God. And then we're going to come back alive and some things are going to die off of us and some things are going to fall off of us, but we're going to come back. He's making a statement of intent and a statement of faith at the same time. Together, they will worship. And Abraham doesn't know what's about to happen. He just knows, I'll worship before this happens. This is his worship to God, obeying God in this moment. So maybe he's thinking in the worst case scenario... If Isaac is killed, 
Perhaps God will resurrect him. I mean, I can imagine being a parent, taking my child to this place and just thinking of all the possibilities of how God is going to fix it. (laughs) What he knows for sure is that when he and his son are done worshiping, then they'll return. And I have, I wonder, is our worship about what we get or is it about what we give? Is it about bowing down or is it about being raised high? Is it about a giving thanks or is it about receiving applause? I tell our worship team all the time, this platform is not about what we get from God. It's about what we pour out. We don't come to the place of worship to bow low and to get something. We come to empty ourselves. What I know for sure is that when we worship, dead things are removed, old things pass away, wrong thinking is corrected, we're made new in his presence, we come alive again, our perspective changed, and when we're finished, we return looking more like Jesus. And maybe you're in a place tonight and you're wondering what's about to happen. Maybe you're trying to figure it out and work all the scenarios in your head, wondering why God hasn't given you the answer that you were hoping for. And I want to encourage you to do what Abraham and Isaac did. Worship. Bow your heart down to the will of God. Obey him. Lift him higher than your desire. Draw near to him and let him do the rest. In the next part of this story, we see Abraham saying, hey, dad, um, so I think we forgot the sacrifice. Like, you've got the knife and the fire, and I've got the wood, but where's the lamb? Did we, did, maybe we need to. And and when Abraham answers his son and says, God's going to provide I think right in that moment, as soon as God says, God will, as soon as Abraham says, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. The next thing that it says is, so they went together. I think that Isaac in that point knew there's a strong possibility that I'm the sacrifice. (laughs) I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure, but the way that my dad is acting is a little different, but I believe he went together with his father in faith. And here's why I think that Abraham, Isaac was a grown man. He was somewhere between 25 and 35 years old. Most people say around 25, 26. Some scholars say he was always like 35 or 37. But he was a grown, strong, young man. His daddy was over 100 years old. Can you imagine having, being so old that you need your son to carry the wood and then you get to the place of the altar and your son isn't going to overtake you and run away? Even if, if Isaac wasn't in on it and didn't know this is the plan of the Lord, I think personally, he'd have been like, yeah, dad, good luck with that. You're too old. I can run faster than you and I'm out. 
I think Isaac surrendered himself to the will of God and walked in faith next to his father. That's some kind of an impartation of faith that Isaac would willingly get up on that altar and allow his elderly father to bind him there. He had to be scared, freaked out, upset, angry, all the feels going on, yet he surrendered his will to the will of God off the strength of God's covenant with them. I think Isaac, I just imagine him going, nah, dad, you got to. You got to tie me tighter. Nah, dad, you got to, you got to cinch that harder because I'm scared right now. And when you lift up that knife to kill me, I'm going to flinch. I'm going to move. So God, if this thing, if so daddy, if this thing is going to work out, you got to tie me tighter. You got to strap me down. See, Isaac had the faith to follow even when he was afraid. Where do you find yourself angry? All the feels, scared, discouraged, betrayed, upset. Where is God asking you to have the faith to follow him in a new way? Isaac put safeguards around himself in that moment. I believe by telling his dad, dad, I'm getting on this, I'm getting on this altar and you got to tie me down because I don't want to forsake and forfeit what God is doing in this moment. What safeguards are you putting around your life to stay surrendered to Jesus, to do the thing that you don't want to do, that you're scared of, that you're worried about, that you're concerned about, that you feel like you shouldn't have to do. Who are you going with together? to the place of worship and who's going to help you stay there. Here I am. This is my walk of faith. And then in verse 10, we see Abraham. He reaches his, he reaches up to, to slaughter his son. And we know the rest of the story. God says, now I know that you fear me. Because you were willing to give your only son. You were willing to give your only son. God says that as if like, because you were willing to give your only son, now I'm going to be willing to give mine. Because you have not withheld this from me, I'm not going to withhold from you. It's like a foreshadowing. God is saying, through your only son will come generations, but through my only son, all of those generations will be saved. The foreshadowing in this story is quite amazing. We find another mother in Matthew. A girl named Mary. She has a miracle baby. She was quite the opposite of barren, but nonetheless did not conceive this baby naturally. And just like Sarah, God also gave her a promise about her son, Jesus. 
And when he was 33, right around the same age as Isaac, he carried wood on his back up the very same range of mountains as Isaac did with the intent to worship and return, to bow his will on the cross and surrender his heart and his soul to what God has required him to do and three days later to return to us. This time Jesus was the sacrifice and since the blood of animals could not make permanent atonement for our sin, Jesus, God's promise to us was sacrificed on that wooden altar, making an eternal covenant signed with the blood of Jesus. And now we have the hope of glory, the promise of eternal life. I wonder when we get a revelation of the covenant God made with us through the blood of Jesus, does it change our faith walk? When we encounter trials of many kinds, will we have the faith to trust Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith? Will we let him lead us in this faith walk? Will we remember the covenant he made with us in blood on the cross? Will we trust in his character and still sing great is your faithfulness when the outcomes don't line up with our desires will we keep our eyes on jesus or we will let or will we let feelings and circumstances distractions cause us to take our eyes off of him god i don't want things my way i want them your way I have a lot of desires, but I lay them down. Three times in this passage, we see Abraham respond when his name is called with, here I am. When God calls him, he says, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm with you. Here I am. When his son says, hey, dad, yeah, yes, son, here I am. I'm with you. When the angel of the Lord calls from heaven, he says, here I am. Abraham is quick to respond with a, here I am, I'm sticking with you. Here I am, I'm going to trust you. Here I am, I'm scared, but I trust your character. Here I am, I'm weak, but I know you're strong. Here I am, I'm sad, but God, I know that you're with me in the sadness. Here I am, God, you didn't answer my prayer the way that I wanted you to, but I know that you're still good. Here I am, great is your faithfulness. Here I am, walk with me. Here I am, show yourself to me. Here Here I am, God. And tonight, some of us for the first time are in a place where we need to say, here I am. We hear the voice of God calling us and drawing us and wooing our hearts to him. And I want you to think about tonight, what is that thing What is the thing that comes up in your heart, in your mind, as we talk about this story? What is the thing that you know God is requiring you to surrender? What is the place in your life where God says, let me come and be God to you? Let me show myself to you as the promise maker. Let me show myself to you as the healer. Let me show myself to you. Let me reveal my character to you. Walk with me. Know me. Lay your will down. 
here we are, God. And if that's you, if you say tonight, I need to surrender something to Jesus. I want to have that kind of faith. Just as an act of faith, I want you to stand up right now. If you know that's you. is asking of you. This is an opportunity for us to give it to him. So God, we come to you tonight. Knowing our faith and our focus has been on the wrong thing. Would you recalibrate our eyes to see you? should go to you. I lay down my desire for yours. My hope is in you. My trust is in you. strength to worship you when I'm in pain. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing business with us. We just say we're sorry for exalting things above you, even our hopes and our dreams and our desires, for lifting those things higher than you. We, we're sorry. We thank you for setting things right tonight, for reestablishing and reminding us of your covenant that you cut in blood cross and God tomorrow and next week when we face that thing 
Help us to exalt your name, Jesus, over it. We exalt you, God. You're the God of healing, restoration power. Nothing is too hard for the working hand of God. Come release your healing. I know you are willing. Nothing is too hard for the hand of God. Nothing is too hard for you, Jesus. Nothing is too hard. 